it made me feel weird. Like, I don't want to pick up as if it didn't happen. Like, let's talk about the reality of what really happened. Well, you know, why we don't know each other, lady. Yeah. Like, let's talk about it. That was me. I want to know the real story because that is easier for me to accept than this facade as if it's just picking back up. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today I'm introducing you to Pam, who called me from outside of Richmond, Virginia. Pam is a late discovery adoptee who learned she was adopted when another child spilled the tea. Speaking with her adoptive mother, Pam learned that she wasn't supposed to be adopted. She was supposed to be placed temporarily. Pam's reunion journey has multiple twists and turns from awkward reunions in inappropriate places to sibling relationships starting out as one thing, but ending up being something completely different. Finally, Pam found her birth father in a man who calculated that it wasn't him, but DNA testing revealed the real story. This is Pam's journey. Pam grew up in a blended household where her mom had two children, her stepfather had two kids as well, and then there was Pam, the youngest of the five. We started with the basic question of what adoption was like for Pam and her family and in her community. She responded with this. So that's the, the ironic thing about it is my story will have all these twists and turns. And so when I think about the beginning, I get pieces of it later on in life and realize that what I thought the beginning wasn't always the beginning. So I'm forever going back and revisiting my story to add to the beginning as well as the present. So it's, it, you, as we start to talk, you'll kind of see that happen. But adoption in my family was not a thing until I came about. So it wasn't something that my family, you know, I've heard stories of folks that, you know, we foster kids and we've had adoptees. I was the very first adoptee and it was kind of happen chance. So, and I'll try not to mix you up because there are a lot of moving pieces. I found out that I was, you know, and I'm going to put air quotes, adopted when I was eight years old by a family member, a cousin. And it was one of those things that we were the same age and you know children when they hear adults talking they listen and and they have that information and so um she came to me with it and, and she used it I guess we were probably bickering about something and she used it to say and guess what you're adopted mm -hmm. I've seen stories like on tv where you know siblings you know are bickering with each other and so they'll lash out and say well you're adopted anyway mm -hmm. you know and so it's one of those moments and so when she told me I don't even know if I knew what adopted was and so I went to my mom and I asked her, and I was like, you know, what is, you know, such and such talking about? And my mom literally, she just burst out in tears. So then it was like, okay, something is going on. Like, whatever this is, it's, it's something's going on. I think for me, as I think back, I only associated adopted with pets at yeah. that moment. Like, I really hadn't thought about it. Um but that's when my story in my head started. However, my story started years before that. So at eight years old, Pam learned she was adopted. The way she found out felt like a late discovery adoptee moment to me. Pam said once her adoption was brought to light, 
She had questions. She wanted to understand what her cousin was talking about and ask her mother if what her cousin said was true. Pam's mother sat her down to have the adoption discussion. Her adoption origin story was complex. It was so many emotions that we had to relive the story so many times because they were missing. We were filling in the holes a lot. The story was my mom, years of, when I was, before I was born, my mom had a sister who was working at a bank. And her sister came to her one day and said, I have a co-worker who's had a baby and she didn't, she didn't know what to do with the baby and she didn't, have, she didn't want to take it home. Her family didn't know she was pregnant and I don't want her to, to lose this baby. She's trying to figure out life. And my mom was a pastor. So she was like the matriarch of our family. So she was the one, you know, that everybody went to. She's the oldest of 11. You know, she was their savings grace. She was their, you know, just she was that. the anchor. She's the anchor, exactly. But during the time of when I was when I, when I was born, my mom was also going through a divorce, and so she told my aunt, "I would love to help you out as far as like I'm holding on to the baby for a little while because that was the plan that the mother of the child only wanted to um, get someone to hold on to the baby until she could figure out life, and she would come back for the baby and live happily ever after and all that good stuff." And so my mom says, well, I can hold the baby for a little while, but, you know, no court is going to allow me to adopt the baby while I'm going through a divorce or what have you. So that was the plan. So my biological mom signed some paperwork that she would support me financially while she tried to figure out life and, and update her family on what's happening and all this. But in the process of even me getting into my mother's home, I went through foster care. So I was in foster care out of the hospital up until about 18 months before something was even finalized that I could move into my mom's house. Pam's mother was right. The court was not intending to let her adopt a third child while she was going through a divorce until her brother, Pam's adopted uncle, stepped up to say he would support his sister financially with her new daughter. Pam's birth mother never came back for her. Pam said she didn't even know she had been through multiple foster families until her story was shared with her by her adoptive mother. Pam didn't learn all of these pieces of her story at eight years old. She said her story has come together over time. But she did say that her mom told her the one thing so many adoptive parents tell their children about her desire to share Pam's truth. She felt like she had failed me in a way. She's using words because she said, I was waiting for the right time to tell you. It wasn't that it was a secret. I just was waiting for the right time. Mm -hmm. And she said, and I hate that it was a cousin that told you because I wanted it to be me. And she said, but you jail so well with our family and the household that I just could not figure out. And, you know, there is no such thing as the right time. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm a firm believer of that. I feel that you start the conversation young and then it's easy for the child to, you know, to accept it and to, to ask those questions and to live with and all of that. But at that time, like I said, she wasn't going through an adoption agency, so she didn't have any training or any counseling or anybody to talk her through what to expect and Good all of that. Point. And you know what I'm saying? And so I couldn't, I could not blame her at all. But there are moments where she said, just when I was about to tell you, something happened that tugged on my heart. And she reminds me of when I was five. She said, I was, I was one that when it came to holidays and celebrations, I like to make personalized cards. She said. There was a moment she was kind of going back and forth with herself, like, I'm going to, you know, like, I need to tell her. Like, she's getting ready to start school, and, 
you know, let's go ahead and have this conversation. She said, I came to her with a card and it said, I wrote it myself. And it said, if I didn't have a mother, I would want her to be you. And she said, she just cried and she held onto the card. She still has the card. And she says, I just felt like if I came to you with that information, then I would shatter your whole world. Yeah. To say, you know, and so she said, it just kept being these moments throughout, you know, my childhood where, I just, I just really jailed with the family, and she felt like it was going to break me when we had that moment. And she just tussled within herself on trying to find that right, that right time. Yeah, and I would imagine it was both her consideration of what it would do to your little mind and what it would do to you and her as a pair, right? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. just about you. It was she felt connected to you, and she was scared yeah. of losing that bond with new information. So. I can appreciate mm -hmm. it. And I, I want to underscore what you said, too, that she didn't have the adoption training that potentially could mm -hmm. have helped her through some of these conversations. So it sounds right. like she did the best she could. And it sounds like you guys got along well. Did you have a good relationship? <laughs> so things developed over the years and I became a teenager and I challenged the status quo and everything. And it's funny because my older siblings are five and nine years older than me and they're in a different generation. And so I was, I'm not a millennial, but I'm at the very end of the generation before that. And so I was, I was pressing every button and I was trying, I went through my teen stages for sure. And so my mom and I, we had a, a trying relationship over the years mm. when I became a teenager. And she, she always says, you know, man, I didn't have the manual for you, but she, even to the day she says, you were just in a different generation. It was hard for me to realize that I'm raising a child from a different generation. Yeah. The other part of that is my mom was a pastor, a preacher. And so I grew up in a very religious home. And so that really, the dynamics of the household was very structured, very, very religious. And I was one that just wanted to, to test the world and, and put my feet in everything. I mean, I tried it. Not, not bad, but I just challenged her, you know, mm -hmm. a lot. In what ways? And Can I was, you give me I, examples of how you were challenged? I was a rebel. I, I probably didn't make the best friends, or I was a mediocre student. I was talkative. I was a social butterfly in school, so my mom got calls that would come to school often to talk about my behavior and things like that. I wasn't bad. I just was very social and, and just just all over the place, still mm -hmm. trying to figure out life. Yeah. And I and I think a lot of it had to do with me finding out I was adopted too. Like I didn't have any but I dealt with it by myself. Like after we had that conversation for years we never talked about it again. And when I say years, it probably was in my late twenties before we really started talking about it again. Wow. It was kind of those things like we talked about it, we're good, everybody's good. But it was one of those things where we knew, but no one talked about it anymore. Mm -hmm. None of a lot of my family didn't even know outside of my outside of my immediate family. I've got an extensive family. Like I said, my mom's the oldest of eleven, and out of that eleven, there are about 50, 50 or so cousins. So I've got these first cousins, and I think no, none of the first cousins know none of them wow. for a long time. Mm -hmm. So yes, yeah, so I didn't really I dealt with my adoption internally. For a long time and mm -hmm. I didn't really have to deal with it again until I got pregnant with my son yeah and that's when the reality came and it was like no you need to know your story you need to know who you are yeah can and, you tell me um, what it was like to deal with it internally solo you didn't have anybody to talk to and only a few people knew so what did you go through inside your own head in terms of what it meant to be an adoptee 
Yeah, I I often felt alone. I would, and I, I don't even know if I've ever mentioned this to my mom, but sometimes I would just be sitting at the table and I would be kind of jealous of my siblings. Like, they've got, you know, mom and a dad, and this one's got a mom and a dad. And, like, I would never say it out loud. Like, I was, you know, and kind of felt like I needed to be grateful. Like, I didn't have a bad life, so why am I having, like, why am I having these thoughts? Like, I kind of felt like I was, bad for having these thoughts, but I would. And it was even to the point where my my sister and brother's dad, I just assumed he was my dad before I found out. And so then, and I was calling him dad, but no one, everyone just kind of went with it, but no one had this conversation. They just kind of let me be. And I guess they felt that I was okay. But no, there were times when I would get in trouble and I would think about my birth mom and how think she's going to come save me one day, you know, because whatever I've done, whatever I did, it was my fault. But I'm like, oh, you know, there's my savior's out there. Or if things are going good and let's say we're on vacation and I'm feeling good and, and then I hate my birth mother and I'm like, I hope she never comes. So I just went through this emotional roller coaster for years by myself. The other piece of it is, and this is where it really gets twisted, my last name was never changed. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with my birth name. Oh. And I, it's interesting because I feel like for me, that kind of confirms how much I was loved because that didn't even set off in my head. Like, look at what's going on. You don't have the same last name. Like, it didn't register to me that I was different because I had a last name. So, oh. yeah. Interesting. So and, you grew up with your given first name yes. and your birth last name, which was different Everything. than the family that you were in. Absolutely. I was the oh, enti- I was the only one in the entire family with Whitlock as a last name. Mm-hmm. And and that was because the original original agreement was my birth my mother was coming back. My mother couldn't change my name because she was only really my legal guardian. When Pam was in middle school, a friend came right out and asked her why she didn't look like anyone in her family. She knew full well she was adopted, but she brushed her friend off and tried to get past his comments. But then he asked why no one else in the family had her last name. It was a defining moment for Pam's identity as an adoptee. It was almost like someone had taken a mask off of me and someone had revealed me to the Because I was, I mean, I felt good. Like, nobody knows. We're not going to talk about it because that's kind of how it was in my household. Like, we're good. Everybody's good. You're love. We're love. You feel love. And then there's this person that has poked holes in this you know the story of mine like I don't have to talk about it nobody knows about it. I don't have to talk about it and then he brought it to my attention and it wasn't a whole lot of that growing up but I will say that I was the lightest in the household so I did go through some uh, colorism issues for me personally mm-hmm. because majority of my family was on a darker shade complexion and I was light-skinned and so there were times where I wanted to at least have their complexion I can you know, I don't have to face it if I was their color. I've, you know, been around family members whose friends would say, where'd y'all get this red baby from? Or small things like that mm-hmm. is when, I, when I'm like, it, it, you know, the reality is you are adopted. Like, I kind of try to avoid the conversation and avoid the, I, the fact that I was adopted. Mm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's funny when you think back on the external observations that people make about your family. Mm-hmm. You know, I've mm-hmm. had people say, you know, especially in transracial adoptions, that it's tough to live your adoption publicly. 
you know, this is a yeah. private thing about your life, but you have to live it publicly because people can see it. And yeah. even in a black family with yep. with people of varying shades, it'd be different mm -hmm. if everybody in the house was kind of a different shade. But if everybody is generally, you know, towards the darker side and you're living on the yep. lighter side, you stand out. Yep. I stand out. Yeah, yeah, that's really fascinating. Yeah. And then that yeah, and it, <laughs> it's funny too that the the last name thing really never clicked for you until somebody else <laughs> said it. I mean, I could see how you you know, you just live with the facts of your life as they're presented to you and you don't even question good. it. Yeah. And then someone yeah. goes, Well, wait a minute, why uh, huh? Why is your last yeah. name different? And then you go, Yo, <laughs> my last name is different. <laughs> what the right? And it's crazy to you. Yeah, you yeah. live in your reality until somebody on the outside points inside I, and says, yeah. hey, what's that over there? And you go, real. you know, I've always lived with that. I don't know what that is. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yep. In her senior year of high school, Pam had gotten comfortable with people asking her about her adoption. Since she lived with her birth name and her last name was an uncommon one, people would ask her if she knew one person or another with the same last name in their community but it really started to click that people were asking her about her brother or her birth mother. Pam said the walls were closing in on her putting her story together, but back then she was just not ready to go there. Pam was in a good place, giving and receiving love and feeling content in her life. However, Pam said she went through a rebellious stage in her life and she got pregnant. In that first medical appointment for her pregnancy, the doctors asked about her family medical history. I, I broke down crying and I said, I, I don't know. Like that's when it really became real to me because I felt like for a long time, I didn't need to know. Like life is good. I didn't need to know until I did need, you know, it was more important when you got, you know, you're carrying this baby and it's important for the doctors to know how to, you know, make sure they're giving you appropriate care based off of your medical history. And I had no answers. Mm -hmm. So that's when it really became like, okay, Pam, you've got to, face reality and you you probably do need to know what about what about when he was born what did that do for your mindset so my son and i have two children that my son i am so connected to him i remember nights that i would just hold him and look at his face because i was like most adoptees i'm looking for someone who finally looks like me <laughs> this is my first blood relative this is the first person that shares you know, my gene pool. This is just that first part. So I was so connected to this baby. And I'll be quite honest, I had, I had went through a period in my life where I wanted that. That's why I got pregnant so young is because I, I wanted a connection. I wanted a relative. I wanted someone related to me. Yeah. And my mom didn't know that. She thought it was just me you know, slipping up. No, yeah. I really wanted a baby. That's really interesting. I needed that. Wow. Yeah. I and I've I've heard that before, even from non adoptees, that the desire to have somebody that is of you, of your yep. life, that is born of yeah. your body, that you have this intimate connection to that you want to take care yep. of can be extremely mm -hmm. powerful. And I've yeah. I've heard more than one story of yeah. a young woman who has decided that she feels like she wants to have a baby and she may be younger than people want her to be to mm -hmm. when she has yeah, this I baby, need, but it's I more what she, she wants than it is yep. sort of a, any, you know, moral slip up, any, you know, yeah. sort of birth control slip up or anything. It's actually a desire yeah. that people execute. It on. was, 
Absolutely, it was. I needed him. He gave me life. He gave me purpose. He he did so much mm-hmm. for me that I just never had those conversations with folks. You know, people thought I was just a teen mom. No, I was. And I was a good mom because I wanted that. You know, I wanted to be a mom. I needed that. He felt he filled a void for me. That's amazing. Uh, I love that so much. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> So this young man has filled a void in your life, but still, you know, there's the unanswered questions. Tell me a little yes. bit about what, did you try to search? What what did search look like for you? Things just, it just kind of happened. So I, I grew up in the town where I was born. So every everybody I was connected to was literally like a rock skip across a, a pond. Like I, if I wanted to search, I wouldn't have had any issues. Like I told you, people would come up to me at this point, I'm working and so now I've got, you know, connection to more people. And my, that name is just not a common name in this town. And so if you know somebody with that name, more than likely you're related to them. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, my name is on job documents and things. And so on my name badge, working at a, you know, I remember working at a, a job and someone else saw my name badge and she asked me, was I related to Sherry Whitlock? And I said, I have to check and see, you know, all of the, all along knowing that was my birth mother. And I was at another job and this was, I'm going to really date myself. This is when they had those punch card time cards. <laughs> yeah. That you stick in the <laughs> clock on the wall and it would go. Uh-huh, yeah, 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 exactly. And this is probably the last year because I'm not that, that old, but that was what they had at this particular. <laughs> we'll say <laughs> they had old technology. Time. How about that? They did. They, right. Absolutely. Right. And so I, uh, I started off in the, in the workforce working administrative work. And so I was in the office. And so there was a warehouse, but everyone clocked in in the warehouse. And so one of the guys from the warehouse, he came in the office one day and he says, are you the new girl? And I said, yeah. He said, is your last name Whitlock? Because I saw it out on the punch card. And I said, yeah. He said, oh, wow. He says, I've got family that's last name Whitlock. And I said, oh, interesting. He says, do you know Sherry? Do you know Daryl? Well, in my head, of course, that's my mom and that's my brother. So I said no. And I went home and I prayed about it. And it's funny because I'm more of a, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so I said, but at that time I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, God, if this is meant to be, then let, you know, like this is it. This, like it has not gotten closer than anybody saying they're related. Not only do they know them, they're related to them. Mm-hmm. My son is about two at the time. And so, like, I had just went through that a few years back with him. And so finally I said, you know what? This is it. I want to know. Let's get this. Let's start this new chapter. Let's find out. Mm -hmm. So I told him no, but I went back. I said, but before I say yes, let me have some evidence. So like I said, because I wasn't traditionally adopted, my birth certificate had my birth mother's name on it. So I said, well, let me get some proof, right? People call receipts. I'll take that in. (laughs) <laughs> right, I'm gonna bring my and receipts. I'll have that. Right. right. You gonna believe this receipts. story? So, yeah, because he's not gonna believe it. So I went back to work, and I'm and I, I I never forget. We passed in the hallway, and I pulled him to the side, and I said, "Hey, Victor, I said you remember yesterday you were asking me if I knew Sherry and I knew Daryl." He was like, "Yeah, my aunt, my uh, my cousin." I said, "You're not gonna believe this." I said, "So brace yourself." I said, "But that is my mom, and that is my brother." And he said, no, 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 no. Like, he's so sure because he grew up with them. So he's like, no, it, no, no. You know, I, like, I've been with them my whole life. And so, no, no, sorry. It may be another set of sharing girls and all that. I said, I knew you probably wouldn't believe me because it's hard to even have, you know, hard to, for me sometimes to, understand, to know, you know, all of what's going on. So I said, so I brought my birth certificate. 
and I showed him my birth certificate, certificate, and it was like he saw a ghost. For real? Wow. And he was like, oh, my God. And then he says, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I said, what? He says, you look like her. He says, oh, you really do look like her. You're shaped like her. Your head's this. And I was just like, oh. and we just had this moment in the hallway, and we were hugging, and we had our own reunion, and it was just crazy. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so wild to be in oh. in the workplace and have this reunion come at you out of nowhere. That's yeah. unbelievable. And then we laughed some too because he says, "I was gonna, I was gonna try to holler at you. Like I thought you were cute, and I thought you, you know." And so yep. he said, "So I was gonna try to push up on you too." Mm-hmm. He said, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. That that that's one of the things that adoptees can be very scared of. Is you know you're yeah. growing up in your hometown, and you're like, "Please don't mm-hmm. let me date my cousin or my yes. brother." Yes. You know, please. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. That got dangerously close. It sounds like very fast. Pam said things got even more weird with her reunions with her birth mother and biological brother. Her colleague and cousin, Victor, maintained Pam's privacy and didn't tell his auntie Sherry or cousin Daryl that he was working alongside Pam. Victor did tell Pam he could introduce her to them if she wanted. Pam needed time to think about the idea, and a few days later she said yes, she wanted to be introduced to her birth mother. Coincidentally, Pam's birth mother's birthday was coming up, so it seemed like a good time for the family to reconnect around her special day. I said, okay, well, I don't want to show up at a birthday party and I'd be surprised. Like, that could go so wrong. Mm-hmm. I said, so, I said, out of respect for her, I'd rather you have a private conversation with her first. And so he did, and he went to her, but dang, <laughs> her reaction was not what I would hope for. Oh, really? What happened? What did he come back with? He came back and said she denied it. He says, she said, he said, Sherry, there's a girl at the job that says she's your daughter and that she, no, no, what? You know, and she just went straight into denial. What are you talking about? That's crazy. That makes no sense. And then he hit her with, but Sherry, she showed me the birth certificate. (laughs) And then she couldn't deny it anymore. Wow. Yeah. And so, so that hurt. You know, I'm not even going to lie. That hurt because you want, you know, it's 22 years later, 21 years later. And you would think at this point she was ready for right. me by then. That's in my head. I'm like, by sure, you know, surely she's ready for me by now. Right. You know, and she wasn't. I guess she felt she moved on. She erased this part of her life and she didn't have to face it. She never, you know, she didn't keep any of her promises to my mom. She just, moved on with her life mm. mm-hmm. yeah that's really tough so yeah did he bring you this information back to work yeah so we had exchanged numbers and so we established a friendship outside of work and so he would visit and we would talk about it and we would just talk about our lives in general and he told me at home he came to my house and we talked about it and you know, I, I think I got teary-eyed. I didn't cry, cry hard. It was just, I knew it could go either way, I think. But I was kind of leaning more so on she was going to accept me. Of course. That would um, be the natural know. thing you would think is, all right, right, this is about to happen. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. And so so a couple of a couple of days went by, and she, he says, well, you know, she's she's going through a lot. 
you know, she's got she's got some other things she's dealing with. He said, but don't give up. He says, give her give her some days to get you know get to deal with it. And I said, that's fine. I said, you know, I'm not lacking anything out of life, and if more than anything, I just want to meet her. I'm not coming in to, you know, I don't want to pick up from being you know, 18 months and you know, mommy dearest type of relationship. I just want to meet her. Right. And so he says, you know, I understand, and and I'll talk to her about it. And I, I said, well, I have a brother. And he said, yeah, Daryl. He said, but he's incarcerated. So I can't pull that con- that you know reunion together. But I will tell you that he's incarcerated. And I said, okay, I actually heard over the years that he's got a rap sheet and he goes in and out of jail. And he says, yeah, he's, he's rough around the edges. Victor finally came back with the news that Pam's birth mother, Sherry, wanted to meet her. A large family dinner was planned at a local restaurant and Sherry wanted Pam to meet her there. Pam went to the birthday party, but things felt super weird for her. I met her at her birthday dinner. But the weird part about it, Damon, is that after that initial reaction that he brought back from her and, you know, denial and all this, when I met her at her birthday dinner, you would have thought that she raised me, that we were best friends. She embraced me, and it was love at first. It was like, oh, my God, my long-lost daughter, and all da 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 where have you been and come here and give me a hug. It was really weird mm. because that's not what I wanted either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, did it I feel genuine wanted... or did it feel no. disingenuous? I see. It mm-hmm. felt disingenuine mm-hmm. and I, and it felt as if there was, she was putting up a facade for these other family members who yep. were there. Yep. That's yep. what it was for me. And I'm like, I would have rather met you one-on-one first. Yes. Just to have, but she, but she didn't want to have that one. She needed them to kind of cover up, you know. Yeah, to, to buffer her, her against yeah. the pressure of meeting yeah. you face to face, one on one. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, so how was, was the rest was... of the dinner? Like, you're not only there with her putting on theatrics about how happy she is, but you're also there, you know, probably as somewhat of a surprise to some people who didn't really didn't Everybody's register for them. At me. Yeah. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's going, "Oh my God, look." She's got those big old eyes, just like you and your dad. And oh my God, she's shaped You know, I mean that. I mean it was, and it wasn't even whispers. It was everyone's talking. I mean, I literally stole her birthday. Wow. So you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, and and luckily I had my son, and so you know some folks were playing, but it was a lot. I'm not even like it was a lot. Yeah. And so, and so she's oh, and and when we leave here, take my number and. When we leave, and you make sure you call me, and let's come over, and and let's connect, and that, and I'm just like, I don't know, I was kind of, this kind of made me feel weird. Like I don't want to pick up as if it didn't happen. Like let's talk about the reality of what really happened. Well, you know why we don't know each other, lady. Yeah. Like let's talk about like that was me. I want to know the real story because that is easier for me to accept than this facade as if it's just picking back up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yeah it's almost like I, I i had this image of a record spinning on a turntable and you know when you first get the album you want to put it down right at the edge and let it quietly go into the first song and basically what she tried to do was pick up the needle and drop it in the middle and the song's yes. already playing and you just and everybody's just yes. supposed to pick up from where she has so dropped the needle yeah. and there's a whole lot there's 20 plus there's years of history too that much. needs to be too explained much. she's got yeah. some some reality to face in terms yeah. of yeah. what she did, right? She dropped yeah. off a baby and never came back. And mm-hmm. 
and it, it obviously being at her birthday party amongst everybody, as you've said, mm-hmm. is not the place to have yeah. that conversation. But it's also not the place to act like it never happened either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a lot going you know, on there. And, I hear you. Yeah, and and over the years, because this was about in two thousand and two thousand and two. And so over the years, it just kept being like that, where she would never really have conversations. She kept avoiding me, those one-on-ones. It was always she would invite me over, but there was a house full of people. She would invite me out, and there was somebody else. Like, she never wanted to face the reality Mm -hmm. and have that true heart-to-heart. Yep. And so finally, one day, I just, I broke down, and I said, look, I got questions that I need answered. And I'm sorry, I can't keep this facade up with you. And she never saw that part of me, but I just felt I wasn't being genuine to myself either. Mm-hmm. I needed to fill the story in and, and you've got the answers. Like I need these answers. Eventually, Pam and her birth mother did have the revealing conversation Pam wanted. But before they did, Pam's biological brother was released from his incarceration. At the time, Pam was living in an apartment complex where she and another resident had babies at the same age, so they had connected as young mothers. One day, the other mother told Pam that she knew Pam's brother Daryl and knew just where to find him, guaranteed. Daryl could be found at the same nightclub every Saturday night. He's at a nightclub every Saturday. If you want to meet your brother, I'm going to take you to this nightclub and I guarantee he's going to be there. Wow. That's wow. <laughs> Can I just have a traditional meeting with some of these people, please? Tradition, I mean, like a basic one on one. Can I just sit down yes. with you? Wow. See, nothing traditional. That's why I said my, my story's got so many twists and turns. Nothing traditional about it at all from start to finish. Unbelievable. And so I said, <laughs> so okay. you got to go to a club to meet your brother. I got to go to a nightclub to meet my brother. And so, and, and so we go. And so we're in there, and it's loud, and it's speakers, and, and she, we're looking, we're on a hunt. And she says, you're not going to, you know, so I know as soon as he comes, he's tall, he's really tall, he's like 6'3", and as soon as we see him, he's going to stand out. So we're, I'm following her around the nightclub, and she finds him, and she says, there he is. So I go up to him, and we, we go up to him, and she's trying to yell over the speaker, and that's just not, <laughs> you right. know, it's not going to happen. Right. And so he's like, what, what? And she's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm standing there looking awkward because he didn't know me. And so then she's trying to introduce us. And so then he thinks that she's trying to hook us up. Right. Which one would think if two women walk up to him in a club, of course, (laughs) you don't think it's your lucky night. Yes, Uh, exactly. It's a terrible plan. Oh, my God. When I tell you, yeah, horrible. But she didn't know where he lived. She didn't know where. She didn't know his phone number. She just knew. For the last couple of times she went out, she saw him there. And I should have sent her. I don't even know what was going through both of our heads because I don't even know why I agreed, it, agreed upon it. And so at any rate, we exchanged numbers. And I we left the club. And I left him thinking, yeah, I'm, you probably think you're going to, you know, got a new girl on your on your shoulder tonight right. or something. That's and I digits, said, call yeah. me tomorrow. Right. I said, there's no way I can explain this over a loudspeaker. I said, can you call me tomorrow? And he says, okay. And he did. And that was the thing, too. I didn't need him to be interested. But let's say he wasn't interested and go, I don't want to call that girl. Like, you know, I needed him to think beyond me trying to connect, you know, the link him. Up. like I needed him. Yeah. Yeah. And so he did call and I said, you don't know me. 
And I said, I really need to talk to you. And I said, you know, my friend, I said, do you think you should come over where, you know, where we live and, and we can sit down and talk? And he says, yeah. And he came over and him and I finally had a real traditional heart to heart talk. Wow. That's lucky. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did that go? It went all. It went well. It was I, for him. It was mixed emotion for me. It went well because he accepted me. He wasn't in denial. He embraced me. He embraced my son. He was ec- ecstatic to have a, a sister. A, well, I'm not going to say a sister because he had sisters, but to have a sister with his by his mom. His dad had one, two, three other children. So he had two sisters and a brother. But his mom, he was raised as an only child. I see. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it feels different to have oh, another yeah. child, yeah. you know, by your mom. Right. And so for a split second, he was upset with mom, but that soon passed. So he has a relationship with his mom that's unbreakable. Just that mother-son relationship sure. is uh, to this day. And I'm okay with that. And so he was mad with mom for, you know, a few hours or something. The fact that she hid this from him. she He could have had a sister this whole time and, you know, all of the just trying to go through your whole life in, you know, an hour of what it could have been, mm. you know, mixed emotions. But he embraced me right away. That's amazing. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he fell in love with my son. He would come get my son a lot. They would, <laughs> he would go to the mom. My son was beautiful. He had lashes, long lashes. He looked like a girl. And I let him grow his hair out when he was first born. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so people always think he was a girl. So my brother would take him to the mall and try to pick up girls with my son. <laughs> I didn't find that out till later on. I'm like, you did what? Yeah, he was he was wild. He was definitely wild. So we we've got a we've got a good relationship. That's great. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> Has he been able to stay out of trouble? He 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 stayed out for a while, back and forth. He's doing good now. Mm, got he's great. working. He's he has a son. He had his first son later on in life. And so that was good because he needed to get whatever out of his system. Yeah. So he's 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 doing good. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. And, and how are things yeah. well how are things with your birth mother? And then I want to hear about your birth father. So how's your relationship yeah. with her now? So it's non-existent now. However, over the, cause at this point it's been 20 years, but this is how much of a roller coaster it's been since the beginning of meeting her in 2021. She actually lived with me at one point. <laughs> she moved in with me. She had fell on hard times and she was living with a roommate and they, they went their separate ways. She was on. She had a restaurant. She was running, and then her whole world crashed. Oh. She had nowhere to go, and there I was. And I am a fixer in my life, just in general, the type of person I am. I'm always trying to help people become the best version of themselves to help them out. That's just who I am. And so there was one point in time where she actually moved in with me and my son. For me, I think I was a little bit gullible at that point i was looking for like okay she's not going to give me what i want let me just go ahead and play this game with her and so she moved in and, and she cooks we love to cook and so we connected with cooking and she had friends over a lot and it, it changed the dynamics of my household because i was going through a separation with my my son's father and we were splitting up and things like that and so it had a different dynamics in the household, but I needed something because it was a rough time for us to get together through high school. Mm-hmm. And so I let her in, but I felt guilty at the same time because I'm like, oh, my God, my mom, what is my mom going to think? And so I did tell my mom because I didn't want her to think that I was hiding it from her. And so she said, listen, I get it. This is your mom. Like, whatever it takes for you to feel complete. If that's what she said, just be careful. She always told me that. 
She said, just be careful. Just know all the stories that I told you. I didn't hold anything back. So know who you're dealing with. I don't know if she's the same person, but just know what I dealt with with her. And so I always kept that, you know, at the forefront of my head of how she dealt with my mom. And so, but she, she, she I found out that she was this person where she just needed people around her all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that only lasted for maybe two years because I, and then I got tired of people in and out of my house. I was like, this isn't really how I live. I wanted to connect with you. Like, I thought this right. was going to bring us closer. But it was you and your friends and your this friend and that friend. And actually met my husband through her. <laughs> Are you serious? That's wild. My husband's mom and her were really good friends. My husband knew my biological mom before I knew her. Oh, my god. He gosh. knew her as auntie. Yeah. He knew her as Aunt Sherry. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is wild. (laughs) I've never heard that before. That is absolutely crazy. The story. Like I said, I've always wanted to write a book, but it keeps evolving. The story never ends. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we tried to have this, you know, this mother-daughter relationship, and it just wasn't. It wasn't authentic and so we she ended up moving out and then I ended up I think maybe months later going to her and saying listen I just really want to know who I am where's what's my story who's my dad things like that can I just please get that and she would break down and go I don't want to talk about it it's too hurtful and I said but but it's not fair to me like I know it's hurtful for you but can you give me that piece of respect and have my story and she wouldn't Really? She never so, did? She never did. She never did. She tried to, but but she would tell me all about my brother's story and him growing up, and it was like life was grand. I mm-hmm. said, but that didn't help me. That didn't help me when you tell me, you know, how spoiled he was, because then that makes me feel like, well, why didn't you keep me? Mm-hmm. There's a story behind it, because it sounds like you actually, it wasn't financial situation. You know, you didn't fall on hard times like, you, you know, you made a lot of folks think. It was something deeper than that. And right. you don't want to face it. And I get it. It's hard. It's a hard conversation to have. And I'm not going to judge you. I just want to know my truth. Yes. I'm glad you said that because that is so much of what all of us think. I'm not going to judge you. That is in the past. I just yes. want to know the story because I have zero yes. facts. Yes. Right. Good exactly. Point. Yeah. You know, and so then I had to just start putting the pieces together for myself. Pam approached her brother, Daryl, for some help pulling her story together. He asked her who her birth father was, but she didn't know. She turned the question around to Daryl, who said that his father is incarcerated, like he had been, an unfortunate pattern in their family. Daryl said he didn't know much about the men their mother had dated in the late 1970s when Pam was conceived. So Pam asked if she could at least speak with Daryl's father. You know how it is. When we break up with someone, we often know who they're dating next. So perhaps Daryl's father had a much-needed clue about who Pam's birth father could be. From his jail cell, Daryl's father wrote Pam a 17-page letter expressing his shock at the realization that Sherry had a baby after their son Daryl was born. The couple had been together for a long time, and life had changed dramatically with his incarceration, so it was mind-boggling for Daryl's father to contemplate Pam's outreach to learn more about herself. 
the man was in awe of the whole story and vowed to try to help Pam pull some facts of her story together. He had just as many questions as I, as I did. Mm-hmm. Like, he dealt with their breakup so hard that he absolutely would have never guessed she had a baby after him. Like, mm-hmm. he harbored hard feelings for them because, you know, years later when we've had other conversations, she's broken down and said, you were supposed to be my husband. We were supposed to have our happily ever after in my life. Wow. That's what she had said to him. Mm. And so he said he's always had that in the back. Like he felt bad for her that he she heard of that back. But he said we said we were young. He said I had kids young. It wasn't who I am today. And I hate that I did that to her. But she didn't move on for a long time. And so that's when he heard found out about me. He's like, wait a minute. So she did move on and no one knew like, you know, so all these questions, you know, transpired from from my being. So he wrote me a long letter and he says, you know, I'm coming home soon, and if you're up for it, I would love to meet you. And I would love to help you put your story together because this is one. I think he's more interested in, you know, like what happened here, like what's going on. He wanted the answers too. Yeah, sure. And so, you know. Um, well, also, this is a drama that's been brought to his doorstep, oh and he's God. incarcerated. Like this is something that can connect him to the outside in a very, very meaningful way. Right? Yeah. It's not just yeah. watching the news and that's sort of you're detached right. from that. This is very personal news about someone that he loved, and he's looking at the end of his road and coming home. So I would imagine this was very energizing for him. Yeah, absolutely. And he was so he was so sweet about it. And he, you know, empathized with me. And he says, "Whatever I can do, I'm gonna definitely give you. I'm not gonna hold back." He said, "I'll give you the good, the bad, and the ugly." And he that's when he he told me he's always been honest. He says, "You know, I'll tell you my story and." It's not all good. It's not all bad, but it's my story. And I said, and I appreciate you for that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where our relationship started. Wow. Just that complete, cold honesty. And I, I just love, love that. So, yeah, so he came home and he found me. I gave my address and we talked for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and, I mean, he gave me, you know, stuff that didn't even have anything to do with me. He was giving me from the day he was born up until the day he ended up on my doorstep. He put it all out there. Right. And. He says, okay, so you don't know who your father is? I said, no, there was no name on the birth certificate. So then we did some math, and he said, okay, so you were conceived early 80. I was born in December 80, and he says, okay, well, your mom was dealing with, after we dealt with it, he said, we we parted ways at the end of the 70s, and he was doing some math, and he says, and after me, I recall her, she dating this guy, and I wrote that name down. And then she said, and I think someone said she might have been dating this guy. And I wrote that name down. And he says, and I'll, you know, reach out to my connections and see if I can get you a phone number or get you some, you know, whatever. And I said, okay, great. And I said, well, can you please do me this one favor? I said, I know you said that you were not dealing with my mom anymore. I said, but can I just start with taking a paternity test with you? Mm-hmm. And he says, I already did the math, and I'm not I'm like I know you're hurting, and I know you want to get answers, but I'm not your dad. And I said I appreciate that. I said, but at this point, I just want, I want to, you know, debunk any myths. Yeah, like, let's start I checking off to, boxes, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Right. So he said, okay, well, absolutely, I'll do that for you. And so he and I took a paternity test, and we sent it off, and we got it back a month later, and. He's my dad. Shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> David. Oh my I gosh, Pam, that is crazy. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
I was done. Oh my you gosh. At that point, I had not found the other two guys that he had gave me, you know, to start with. I hadn't even, I don't know for what reason. I just held on to that information and didn't do anything with it. I didn't but do anything with it. imagine if you hadn't even asked him. Like, it, you, here yes. you are, like, let me close this door before I open the next one. And the very yes. one you were standing in was the one you needed to walk through. That the is one. absolutely crazy. Yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And you know what I love about it, too, is that you were already so appreciative we of his investment here. in your story mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. you were already liking this guy trusting this yeah, guy. He's, yeah yeah you know fresh out of incarceration and you've invited him over to the house had this multiple hour conversation yeah. and it sounds like connected you know and yeah. he's told you stories about his life which is actually his origin story of how you guys yes! it became my life too like yeah <laughs> oh this is so awesome that is this unbelievable is so yeah. What did he say yeah. when you told him? <laughs> so he was like, oh, I think he God. said some some explicit of like, oh, you know, like, get that freak uh -huh. out of here. Like, like, and it was almost like he was like he wanted it like never in a million years. But I connected with you on a level that I wanted to keep you in my circle, you know, it's like he yes. wanted to still have that relationship. And this just made like, man, I really like this woman. Like yeah. she's a really good person. And, and as fate would have it, like you don't have to, you know, we don't have to say goodbye. Like we are now connected forever. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't mm -hmm. have to, you know, it's not just a, a chapter. Like you are a part of my life. So we, oh my God, we, things moved so fast for us. We became like the best of friends. and. So with him, he brought an older sister who was actually older than my brother. And then he brought another daughter who is the exact same age as me. Hmm. And really? Then, uh -huh. And then a, a younger brother who was about 12 years younger than me. Wow. So he had, yeah, he had quite a, quite a uh, span of children through the years. Can I ask, but, how was it yeah. with you and specifically the sister who you are the exact same age as? Because it can be a weird thing for siblings to get yeah. replaced in their spot. You know, they absolutely. The, I'm, oh God, I'm the oldest. I'm the, you I'm are the youngest. Yeah, you what was it like, like for her to just feel you come into her zone? So it was a different dynamics for everyone. The older sister embraced me with open arms oh my god i got a little sister another little sister oh my god this is great we have children the same age she's got a son that's the exact same age as my son and then she has one that's 18 months under so our when we met our kids were still in diapers so we got to raise our kids together that was great because she was the only child of her mother so here she is with another little sister and and then this little sister has a son that you know all of our worlds connected right away then there's this sister that's the same age. She did not accept me. She, I got this vibe right away. And I later heard that she had been asking family members, like, do you believe her? Where'd she come from? Yeah. Um, all kinds of just anything to kind of not accept me. She was just not with it. Sure. And it was okay. I was okay with it. Like, it, it's a lot to come mm -hmm. in. And, and like you said, I think she had this idea that here I am being the baby girl. I don't need to be the baby girl. I was the baby girl in my own house. Like I've been, I'm in that spot already. I don't need to take a, you know, that was never my approach. Right. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know who I was, but it, it was 
received by her that it was just it was too much for her and so she did not receive me right away but there's more irony in this story damon oh my goodness <laughs> so are you ready for this let's go all right so fast forward let's say about 10 years into the story that sister that's the same age as as, as me her mom reveals that my dad is not really her dad. What? Are you serious? What happened? What? She. <laughs> yeah, I did not expect <laughs> you to say that. You really threw me there. Oh so gosh. all these. Yeah. So she grew up thinking that my dad was her dad. And her mom reveals that she cheated on him. And that someone else is her dad. Oh, my gosh. So not only have yeah. you come out of nowhere, you're the <laughs> same age as this woman who has grown up with her dad as her dad. Yes. But now mm -hmm. she feels like you're replacing her. And in yep. fact, in some ways you are because her mom has said that he's yes. not the father. Oh, my gosh. She's like the father. And oh, I she felt... must have been so hurt. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. So, mm. so many emotions, so, and I never drew it, you know, I would never do that. I, I never drew it in her face or anything like that. I always just tried to play a neutral ground. I, it ended up our kids were in the same school district, and so we would see each other at football games and school events and things like that. So I was always cordial with her. But there was always, it just, it was just an awkwardness. And she always had a good relationship with my mom. She loved my mom. And that, everyone would tell me this over the years. Like when my mom, everyone would show up, let's say, for holiday dinners and things. And my mom would bring my brother over. She had a really good relationship with my dad's mom. Mm -hmm. And so she stayed around. You know, they were all cordial. Mm -hmm. And so she grew, she grew to have a strong, actually a strong relationship with my mom. And, and she just really took to my mom. But I also found out that she's got a story of her own where she gave a child up for adoption. Your sister that's the same age? Yeah. Wow. She, yeah, she had given a baby up for adoption, and she tried to have a heart-to-heart -heart with me once about my story, mm -hmm. but she always sided with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I never understood why, but it was revealed later that she had given a child up. And I said, oh, so I get it. Uh -huh. She had the connection. Yeah, mm -hmm. That was the lens she, through which she yeah. sees adoption mm -hmm. is as a birth mm -hmm. mother. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Pam, yeah, so, wow. so many twists and turns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to so, write the book. And don't worry about do. it never ending. Because, I mean, this is the reality of the lives we live. They don't, the it, story doesn't it, end, right? It does not Oh, my end. gosh. Really crazy. Yeah. Pam told me repeatedly her story has so many twists and turns. And I have to admit, I discounted how complex her story could possibly be but she blew me away with how mixed up her family relations were in reunion. Having been through so much with her reunions, I wondered how Pam is doing now and how she shared her reunion journey with her adoptive parents. Pam said, despite being a challenging teenager, she and her adoptive mother are very close, and she called her mom with every new discovery in her story. She would call and say, Mommy, you're not going to believe this. Oh my goodness. Pam said she kept her mom in the loop the whole time, and with each unbelievable development, her mother always checked in to see how Pam was feeling. When the relationship with Pam's birth mother went sour, Pam's mom gently reminded her that it wasn't the first time the woman had let her down, and she remained supportive of Pam's emotions. As we chatted, Pam remembered something else in her story. 
this is funny. I meant to say this with the dad part. He couldn't add it up because he says, well, I was kind of still dealing with your mom during that period that you were conceived. And then it's like a light bulb went off. And he says, oh, my God, are you ready for this? I said, "Uh uh-oh. He said, now I remember. I remember giving your mom money for an abortion. Wow. In the early 80s. He said, so now it all makes sense. She didn't get the abortion. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. When you think back on what could have been or not been, that is wild. Yeah. And that's why I live with so much purpose now. That's, I mean, I live my life to the full because I always reflect <laughs> back to that. And that. What, could, what, what could not have been. Mm-hmm. I, I have started a nonprofit organization called the Enough Foundation, and it's based off of my story in a sense. What, what is your foundation um, called? The Enough Foundation. Okay. I wrote a children's book. It's called I'm Enough. And it's a little bit about my story. It's about a little girl who she's adopted and she didn't look like anybody in her family. However, she connects with people Mm -hmm. regardless of how she looks. And then she also talks about how she makes friends at school that she's not related to, but Mm -hmm. she connects with them too. And so it just really talks about how we get a, we can have a connection with people regardless of if their blood runs through our veins. Oh, that's awesome. And it it talks about affirmations and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the Enough Foundation is really about helping people find, just become the greatest version of themselves. That's great. Like, don't hold yourself back. Like, what is it that, and I live my, my eat my house with my kids. Like, what is it? Tell me what you want to do. And I'm going to help you be that person. Mm-hmm. That's how I live life. Yeah, that you is know? really awesome. Where can people find yeah. the Enough Foundation online? So it's still new. So we, I'm I, 501c3, so it's nonprofit. We are about a year in the making. I've still got some things, but building programs in the background. We're on Instagram and Facebook, the Enough Foundation, and got a lot of things in the works. I'm so excited about what's to come. The book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can Google either my name, and you'll see that book as well as another book that my daughter and I wrote. Mm-hmm. So, to, so run it down for me. What are? Tell me your name. Tell me the title that people are looking for. Tell me yeah. the title of the book you and your daughter wrote. Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Pamela Spratley. My nonprofit is the Enough Foundation, and right now the best way to kind of follow and see what we're doing is on Instagram and Facebook. My daughter and I, I have a 13-year-old. She was diagnosed with ADHD in the third grade, and we went on this whole journey about eating different and focusing on what we put in our bodies and how it affects us and all that good stuff. And so we wrote a cookbook, and that's called Build a Lunch. Build a Lunch by Tink's Healthy Kitchen. So my daughter has a business called Tink's Healthy Kitchen. Tink's Healthy Kitchen is focused on educating children on making better choices for themselves, whether that is food choices, life choices, health choices. We've got a little bit of of everything on the website. We've got a cookbook. We sell the organic lemonade locally. We're getting ready to start shipping. We've got lunch boxes, reusable straws, reusable utensils, things like that. We do vendor events. We're everywhere. Oh, awesome. Her website is tinkshealthykitchen.com. Spell that for me, so, please. T-I-N-K apostrophe S mm-hmm. and then healthy and then kitchen. Got you. Really yeah. cool. Really cool. Yeah. Pam, yeah. what a wonderful story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Such a wild ride. Unbelievable. Yeah. But you sound like you're doing really, really well, which is awesome. And I just, I love the piece where you found your biological father, didn't even realize you were finding your biological father. And that must have been impactful for you to be able to go back to your brother and say, 
We are, you, I just realized you're full blood siblings. We're full blood siblings. Holy crap. That's incredible. Yes. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. That didn't amazing. even click. Like I, it was in the back of my mind, but it didn't actually click until I just said it. That's yes. fantastic. Good for so you. So out of all of the children that came through my mother and father, we're the only two that are fully related that's amazing you know. good for you yeah i love yeah. to hear you're living life to the fullest that's really fantastic and i'm so appreciative of yeah. you being here with me this is really really cool congratulations on finding everybody thank you so much thank you for your platform i ever since i found out about your podcast i listen every day i try to slow down so i don't run through all the episodes <laughs> and i have anything to listen to. i try to taste myself but you have gotten me your podcast has gotten me through some really good days, bad days, tumultuous. I mean, so much of life. So I appreciate you and the folks that you've had on your show and your platform. Oh my gosh, um, thanks so much. I, I can't do it without people like you stepping forward to share their stories for the benefit of others. So now you're part of the library of people who are helping somebody else. So thank you for yeah. doing this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having sure. me. Sure. Take care, Pam. All the best. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. Pam is a late discovery adoptee who had a wild ride in reunion. To recap, Pam found her birth mother, Sherry, whom she met for the first time at the woman's birthday celebration where Sherry put on a show about reconnecting with her daughter. Then Sherry moved in with Pam, but Pam wasn't feeling the vibe and wasn't getting the answer she wanted about her story. Pam met Daryl, who she thought was her half-brother, for the first time in a club of all places. They took her reunion search to his father, who started their relationship from behind bars. Digging for more facts, they learned that he was Pam's birth father too, and Daryl and Pam are full-blood siblings. After Pam met a half-sibling, who was the same age as herself, the woman who was once a half-sister learned they do not share the same father, and they're not sisters at all. On top of that, Pam's former sister is also a birth mother who placed a child for adoption, so Pam's appearance was a reminder of what could happen to her one day. We've always known that adoption can be full of twists and turns, and Pam's journey proves it again without a doubt. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you've found something in Pam's journey that inspired you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I really? <laughs>